Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We have a very important study to go through at this time. From the book of Romans in chapter 9. Now, we took a two and a half week detour because Paul was teaching and he was using examples from the book of Genesis. And we spent those two and a half weeks looking at those passages for one reason, that we would have the right context of Scripture. See, it's very dangerous that when we look at a verse of Scripture that's quoted in the New Testament, and we just deal with that quotation and not understanding the passage that it was taken from. That passage gives us a proper way to understand the intent of that New Testament writer, in this case, the Apostle Paul. So he spent a few weeks in the book of Genesis, and now Paul's going to continue teaching us truth. Everything that he gave to us, he received by way of inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And now he's going to be sharing some biblical examples from the book of Exodus. So we're just going to look at these examples very briefly in order that we have a right theological understanding of what Paul is revealing in this ninth chapter. So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Romans chapter 9 and verse 14. Now remember what we have been taught. We have learned that God defines everything. What do I mean by that? God is righteous. He is good. He is holy. He is just. Therefore, all that he does is just that. Holy, good, righteous, just, perfect. Because God does it. This is what one should not do. We are in no position to look at an activity, a deed, something that God does, and then we sit back and we say, that's righteous. No, it's righteous because God does it. He defines all things and therefore we need to realize that in regard to the revelation of scripture and the reason why i say that is look at verse 14 therefore what should we say is there unrighteousness with god and of course the answer paul's going to use that favorite expression of his when he speaks about something that is in the negative that it's absolutely not a possibility he uses that term, me, geneto, which means let it never be. It is an absolute impossibility. God cannot do that which is unrighteous. He only behaves righteously. He only does that which is holy. He only does that which is good. He only does that which is just because that's who he is. And therefore, it is wrong for us to assume that God would ever do anything that is unrighteous. So there is no unrighteousness with God. 
And then he goes on, look at the next verse, verse 15. For Moses says, now it's a quotation from Moses, that is from the book of Exodus, the author of the Torah, those first five books of the Bible is Moses, but the one who actually is speaking is God himself. So Moses says he writes down, but God is speaking. And what does God say? I will have mercy upon whom I will be merciful. And I will show compassion upon the one who I will be compassionate upon. So this context is very important because this passage of scripture is from the book of Exodus and chapter 33. Now it's from a very significant place in the scripture. It is from what is read in the synagogue for the feast of unleavened bread that shabbat that falls in the midst of that festival and also the shabbat that falls in the midst of the feast of tabernacles so that means this this portion of scripture is read three shabbats a year and that tells us that this passage is of great importance and what's the context well moses is pleading to god for assistance he says god you know you have brought us out of the land of egypt and you have told me bring the people into the land but you have not revealed you have not shown to me who you're going to send now who is this one messiah but see messiah does not come in order to bring the people into the land of israel but into the kingdom of god See, Moses is confused. He thinks that when he brings the people into the land of Israel, that's it. The kingdom will begin. This is not the case. What happens back 3,500 years ago with the exodus from Egypt and then 40 years later with the entry into the promised land, all of this was a paradigm. It was an example to teach us a future work. What was that? The work of messiah what he was going to do the first time and what he will complete when he returns the second time and establishes his kingdom now moses is saying god i want to experience you more that's a good thing he says show me your face now that is an expression saying bless me god reveal yourself to me god and what happens Well, God says to Moses in that 33rd chapter of the book of Exodus, he says, I will be merciful or gracious, depending upon how you translate that word. I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful and gracious to the one or compassionate to the one on whom I'm compassionate. Now, here's the problem. Many people teach and this is the foundation of Reformed theology, which I utterly reject. They say God is sovereign. He is sovereign. And God simply chooses whom he will be merciful, whom he will be compassionate, and whom he will not. This is not what the Scripture is saying. Why? We have to know the context for the Scripture. God says this. And what happens God places Moses on a specific location. Where? On the rock. It is only when Moses is standing upon that rock, then and only then, 
is God going to reveal to him, and in this case, not his face, but his, his back, that he's going to see the back of the living God. Now, what does that reveal? A future revelation. There is coming a time that we are going to be literally in the presence of God, in the fullness of God's presence. When is that? When we receive that new body, that kingdom body, and when we are with God in his kingdom. But in Moses' day, that is a future. So this passage of Scripture gives the reader a foretaste of that. Now, God stands him on the rock, and if you look at many Christian commentators, they rightly point out that there is a relationship between that rock, that foundation, and Messiah. In the same way that you can only experience the kingdom if you're on the right foundation. See, it's not everyone who's going to enter into the kingdom, but those who receive that one way, that only way, the gospel. And in that same way that there was revelation, a foretaste of a kingdom experience for Moses, but only because he was standing in that one place on that rock. If he was anywhere else, he could not experience this. So we need to understand what the scripture is revealing. Now, keep reading. Look again at this, this scripture where he says, I will be merciful or gracious upon whom I will be gracious and I will be compassionate upon whom I will be compassionate. And he says, now verse 16, therefore then, it's not on the one who wills or desires, nor upon the one who runs. Now, what is he speaking about? You are not going to experience the presence of God, the intimacy of God, the promises of God, simply because you want it or because you work real hard for it. It is not an outcome of one's desire or one's effort. But what is foundational for experiencing God's presence, God's, God's intimacy, the promises of the kingdom? He tells us what that is. He says, but rather upon God who is merciful. So we need to be a recipient of the mercy of God. We can say that another way. We need to be the recipient of the grace of God. And again, the context is that grace is just not haphazardly given out to whom God says yes to him and no to him. That's not what the scripture reveals. But it's given out in a specific way as a result from receiving the gospel. And receiving the gospel is agreeing with God's provision. And in agreeing to God's provision, we want to be servants of God. We want to participate with God. Now, remember that because of what he's going to say in the next verse. Look now to verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, still in the book of Exodus, but now it's not speaking about Moses alone, but Moses and Aaron's ministry to Pharaoh. And it says, because of this same thing, this very purpose. And what is that? Well, God has done something. It says, for this very thing, I have raised you. Now, the context again, I have raised you. This is God speaking concerning Pharaoh. What does God do? God has raised Pharaoh up in this position, a very, very prominent position. 
he is the pharaoh the king of egypt and god in this revelation to him he gives pharaoh a command and if he receives this command it is going to be a fulfillment of what god desires what is the commandment well if you look at the hebrew text it says shalach et ami which means send forth my people not let my people go but send forth my people and and pharaoh was called to do that pharaoh did not now god has a plan and what is god's plan he is going to use pharaoh to manifest his power and his glory and pharaoh is going to be used in that way for sure that has already been predetermined why the scripture says god god is speaking have raised you up for this very purpose look again at at the text he says what that purpose is thus i will manifest in you that's in you pharaoh that's the context my power and thus my name shall be declared in all the earth so what is god saying pharaoh i raised you up in other words i have chosen you and the calling and the gifts of god are are irrevocable god is going to use pharaoh but here's the key pharaoh's going to manifest the name of god people are going to know that name and the power of god how powerful god is it's absolutely a certainty that god's going to use pharaoh for that but here's what's uncertain whether pharaoh is going to submit be a recipient of god's mercy and not only that but because he participated obediently with god's purpose he will be blessed but if not there's the same possibility pharaoh can and this is what god already knows and already reveals pharaoh is going to rebel against god now god still is going to manifest his power and his name is going to be made great to the ends of the earth through pharaoh but not and pharaoh agreeing and participating with god but by god destroying pharaoh defeating pharaoh and his people and bringing destruction upon the land of egypt people are going to hear that and know the name of god the one who did that and the power of god so pharaoh has a choice now what else are we told very important that we read all of the context look now to verse 18 therefore then upon whom he wills mercy and the other opportunity or possibility or upon whom he wills to harden so this is what's yet to be determined and what is that is pharaoh going to be a recipient of mercy like moses or is he going to be a recipient of his heart being hardened and here's the problem people think that god works this way and he does not this is a false doctrine god is sovereign yes he is but but does that mean that he just goes around hardening the hearts in a vacuum because he says i'm gonna harden that one's heart that's not what the scripture reveals if you read exodus carefully this is what you'll find you will find that that but moses speaks to pharaoh 
And Pharaoh says, who is God that I should obey him? And what does God do? God goes through several things to reveal himself to Pharaoh so that Pharaoh knows who God is, the authority of God, the character of God. For example, Pharaoh, read book, the book of Exodus. Pharaoh says, I have sinned against God. He says, God is righteous and we are evil. He says, Moses, you pray for me that God would forgive me of this sin. It's all in the book of Exodus. But here's the problem. Once Pharaoh experiences God's removing of that judgment, the removing of that consequence, what does Pharaoh do? He goes back to that defiance and will not submit and will not send forth the people of God out of the land, set them free. And what happens? Pharaoh meets God's punishment. Now, here's what the scripture is revealing. When someone encounters the revelation of God, he knows Pharaoh knew there's a God. Pharaoh knew that God's righteous. Pharaoh knew that he was sinning. But he rebelled against all of that. He would not submit to God. And what happens? Here's the biblical principle. Doesn't matter who you are, whether it's Pharaoh or anyone else. When God reveals his truth to you and you reject that, what's the outcome? God will harden your heart. There is an adverse effect in rebelling against God's revelation. That's what it says. This is what it's revealing. So the message is not this, that God just goes around and says, oh, I'm going to harden his heart because I want him to have a hard heart. That's not God. That's not a righteous God. God says there's a spiritual law. When you reject my revelation, I will harden your heart. That's the spiritual law. It's a consequence of rebelliousness. And therefore, every person is either going to be a recipient of God's mercy or a recipient of a hard heart. Why? It's what they do with God's revelation. So look again at verse 18. Therefore then, upon whom he wills, he gives mercy. And upon whom he wills, he's hardened. But it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Read the biblical account, verse 19. Therefore, you say to me, why still does he find fault? Why is, why is God upset? In the end, what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh was used by God, and God accomplished his purposes. So why is he upset with Pharaoh? Because Pharaoh rebelled. Pharaoh disobeyed. Pharaoh would not receive the mercy of God. And even though God's purposes, and praise God for this, God's purposes were not thwarted, they were not defeated. God accomplished what he wanted to through Pharaoh, but not in Pharaoh's submissiveness and obedience whereby he could be blessed and be brought into the family of God. But because he did not, God destroyed him. So he says, look again at verse 19, Therefore, you, you say to me, why still does he find fault for his purposes? Who can, can oppose? Who can resist? Now, in the end, that's true. The will of God is going to be fulfilled. You can't resist that. But are you going to participate in it? If you do, you'll be blessed. If you reject that 
and you stand in opposition to it you cannot bring about god's will from not being fulfilled it will but you won't be blessed you will be judged you will be condemned you will be cursed so this is what the scripture is saying and he's going to give a very simple example of this look now to verse 20. he says really O man that that you will do what he says that you are arguing it's a word answering that you're going to answer against god that's what it literally says are you going to be someone that answers god in a negative way and then here's the example in the middle of verse 20. he says should that which was formed that which was made say to the one who formed why did you form me thus why did you make me in this way is that proper now we know something who has the authority who has the power the one who forms and and who is in a submissive position the one that is formed the one that is made he's going to give a a same example but clarified in the next verse look now to verse 21 he says or does not the potter of the clay have authority from that same lump now hear this very very carefully from the same lump now we're not talking about making two different from the same piece no that's dividing the clay it doesn't say that it says from the same lump and what's unknown not to god god knows all things but but what is being revealed here is that everyone is either going to be hear this carefully a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor if you are a recipient of god's mercy how do you receive god's mercy through the gospel if you are a recipient of god's mercy you are going to be an an instrument a vessel of what his glory his purposes there's always glory being manifested in the purposes of god so look carefully at what's said don't assume something that is not in the text he writes does not the the potter of the clay have authority have the power from the same lump to make and he says on one hand a vessel of honor and he says or on the other hand a vessel of dishonor so he's not saying from a piece of clay he's going to divide it up and make two different vessels he's talking about the possibility that that lump is either going to be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor verse 22 but if god wants if god wants or he wills to manifest the wrath god does that he can use whom he wants to manifest his wrath and to make known his power how does he do that he says by by putting up with by bearing uh with much patience the vessels of wrath now he's patient he puts up with it why hoping that they'll repent hoping that they change but if they don't that patience will run out and they will be as he says here a vessel of wrath that's what that is fitted for destruction 
so wrath brings about destruction so god puts up with but in the end if one does not submit god's glory is going to be manifested god's glory is manifested through his wrath being revealed showing his power showing his character that's what god's about so that lump of clay god can mold it into a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor and it all depends upon the individual what's the context remember what he's saying about moses that sought god's mercy and it's through mercy that we can participate with god it's through the mercy of god the grace of god that we agree with god now look at verse 23 our last verse in order that that he should make known the richness of his glory upon who upon those vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory a wonderful statement there are these vessels of glory when did god know what vessels would be vessels of glory those vessels of mercy and what would be vessels of of dishonor and vessels of wrath god always knows that but here's the thing god did not create them from the beginning to be as they were they had to make a decision a choice just like pharaoh did pharaoh god revealed everything to him his power his authority his righteousness but pharaoh rebelled and with each rebellious act that pharaoh did what happened his heart was hardened it is an outcome there is an adverse effect from rebelling against god's revelation so let me ask you is that what you may be doing right now that god has revealed he has spoken to you through his word that god is the authority he is all-powerful that he is sovereign and therefore as a lord of lords king of kings he has chosen to provide one way and only one way for you to experience forgiveness that you can receive his mercy and by receiving his mercy you can participate in the purposes of god and be a individual that will receive the blessings and the promises of god where in the kingdom but just like moses had to be on that rock you have to be standing upon the right foundation and what is that foundation the gospel so do not believe the false theology that everything's been determine it's predestined by god who's going to be a vessel of honor and who's going to be a vessel of dishonor absolutely not does god know it yes he knows it but he doesn't cause that he knows everything but you have a real decision to make and what is that decision that you have to make whether you're going to submit to god's revelation what specific revelation the gospel that god sent his only son into this world to die upon that cross to pay in full all your sin debt that you could be perfectly and eternally forgiven and be that recipient of mercy and be that new creation where you can agree with god participate in the things of god and have that kingdom hope that's what god wants for you but you have to make the right decision don't allow your heart to be hardened by disobedience submit to the truth of god 
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.